Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, federal leaders label the attack in London, Ontario, an act of terrorism. On a tranquil Sunday evening, as his family went out for a walk together, they were struck down by a brutal act of terror. Jagmeet Singh fights back against those who say events like this don't happen in Canada. I love my home. I love this place. But the reality is this is our Canada. This is our Canada. Our Canada is a place where 215 little kids were found dead in unmarked graves. Our Canada is a place where you can't walk down the streets if you wear a hijab because you will be killed. And Canada will ease restrictions at the border for fully vaccinated travelers, but the Prime Minister won't say when. I think we all understand that we want to get back to normal. We want to start traveling again. Uh, but it's very clear that even though one dose has allowed us to significantly protect Canadians, to uh, remove many of the pressures from our uh, public health systems, uh, it is still an incomplete protection and we need people to get the full two doses of their vaccine. It's Wednesday, June the 9th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by longtime political writer and broadcaster, Dan Legere. Dan, thank you for being with us today. Oh, thanks for calling, Mark. So let's talk about the aftermath of the attack in London, Ontario. And we're hearing a lot of political leaders saying, we must act, we must stop this from happening again. But what can be done to stop this? What are the actions that, that governments can take and that Canadians can take to prevent this type of violence in the future? Well, you know, there's sort of two main streams of, of what any government can do in a situation like this, you know, on the law side, enacting new laws and measures, and in terms of symbolism or messaging. Um, it's very, very difficult, if not impossible, to pass a law saying, uh, you know, any, much more than what our laws already say. It's already against the law to discriminate or injure people based on their religion or their ethnicity, uh, their race, etc. Um, you know, I guess you could always make those laws stiffer, um, but would they stop a future London attack? I don't know. Uh, maybe yes, maybe no. But equally important, I think, Mark, is the messaging and the type of uh, ideas that any government uh, puts out there in terms of its role, uh, you know, as leaders, uh, a thought leader, shall we say, in the country and, and sets an example, if you will, uh, for people across the country to, um, uh, you know, to, to think about ways they, they view others. I mean, Canada is a diverse country. It's not going to go back to a bunch of English, Scottish and French people all white and speaking one or maybe one and a half or two languages it's a you know the country is changing and so is the whole world and this is what the government has to help people with is to understand um, you know the differences that are there and to try to capitalize on them uh, you know you can make it super against the law you can get instant life if you do something like that a life in prison or whatever but I don't know whether that's really going to um, deter right. future attacks like this. So that's the whole problem. Yeah, I'm not sure that, and, and we have no way of knowing, but it, it it doesn't seem to me that the perpetrators of 
these types of attacks are thinking about the consequences when they carry them out, um, the legal consequences. And there are, there are, you know, uh, there are already uh, punishments for, for murder to begin with. So um, the, do you think that this is a moment when Canada is starting to confront the presence of racism in our country, that there is a tendency for some Canadians to, to look at other places in the world, in the, in, for example, the United States, and, and to presume that it's more prevalent there than it is here? And without getting into comparisons, is it, is it a time now when we're starting to acknowledge what exists in our own country? I think so, Mark. I really do. Uh, you know, I think we've been a bit smug in Canada for a long time. I mean, how often do you hear the phrase, geez, I'm glad I live in Canada and I'm not living in fill in name of country sort of thing, even the United States or, or, or the European countries. Um, often we're, you know, basing that on the idea that we're somehow more tolerant and open and accepting uh, of each other when I don't know if we really are. And, um, you know, but there's there's so many levels of this. I mean, you know, we're confronting the racism that existed in the residential schools, uh, which has been a horrible confrontation. I, I don't know. It's been really hard on the on the head and on the heart to to see this, even though we suspected deep down inside that that had gone on that way. Um, you know, residential schools were not taught when I went to high school or, or school. Um, I never even heard of it until many, many years after they, you know, when they were closing them down, in effect. And, um, you know, that has to change. We have to teach those facts in our schools and um, and right across the board. And the, the governments at all levels can do a lot to help that. But this is a matter of um, evolution, I think, in a lot of ways. People aren't going to wake up tomorrow and drop the racism or their fear of others. Uh, this is something that has to gradually change. And, uh, you know, so it's it's a long process, but Canada has to confront, uh, you know, the nature that it has and uh, and try to do better. Yeah, and and I think the, the challenge, of course, going back to the, the first uh, angle that we took on this is just what can, what can we actually do? I, I, I find in the aftermath of events like this and, and even after the discovery of the children's bodies at a residential school, that there's a lot of talk of how we've, we're acknowledging this now and we, we must do something. But, but there's, I think, a struggle on the part of everyone to know what it is that we must do. Well, exactly. And there are two threads of this related to these two sort of parallel tragic situations, Mark. One of them is the discussion over whether to charge the perpetrator of these murders in London with terrorism, some sort of a terrorism charge. And I mean, this is for the lawyers and the police and the prosecutors to figure out. But terrorism is a a difficult area because it's not very well defined, according to what I've been reading under Canadian law, to decide what is terrorism and what isn't. Um, you know, it's the same with on the residential schools. You know, there's a new Democrat MP who wants to, the, the you know, the House of Commons to formally recognize uh, the residential schools as a genocide, as a form of genocide. And, um, you know, again, that is also difficult because under you know under the legal system we have and the definitions that are there um is it possible to do that uh, or you know as the uh, 
um, the, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission came up with, you know, cultural genocide. Um, but I mean, that's not going to satisfy everybody, and uh, but it may be going too far for others. So I don't think that as a country we we've come to terms with this, and uh, the fact that uh, you know uh, people in official positions, from MPs through to prosecutors, aren't sure where to take it, tells me that uh, our legal system and our political system are not really ready to grapple with this yet. Yeah. All right, let's turn to the coronavirus pandemic and uh, the latest on that. Of course, uh, one of the topics of discussion over the last couple of days has been when we are going to allow people to visit the country again and under what circumstances, when we're going to lift restrictions. Uh, and the Prime Minister has spoken about that again, saying that if, uh, if visitors to the country have received two doses of the vaccine that... Uh, that the rules will change. Uh, so do you think we are moving towards a reopening of Canada as a tourist destination? Oh, yeah, I, I think, I mean, eventually it's going to happen as, as you know, the world sort of uh, catches up on the vaccination front. I mean, Canada, uh, you know, we still have a lot of people unvaccinated in this country. Um, but yeah, I, and, and, you know, I think there's a lot of public support for fairly, I mean, not fairly, for stiff rules at the border uh, governing travel in and out. And uh, that people who don't think they should have to be vaccinated, I don't think are going to get a very good hearing at the Canadian border. And, and I think there's a lot of public support for restrictions to continue, at least as it applies to people who've been vaccinated or non-vaccinated, tested or untested, that sort of thing. So, uh, you know, Canada and every single country in the world has elaborate rules and laws around who can come and go across their borders. And, uh, you know, it covers a million different topics depending on the country. And this is another area that Canada and many other countries are going to have to sort out. But I think right now the, the sort of public feeling, and I mean, if you look no further than Doug Ford, who's saying, you know, he wants the borders to, to be tight. And uh, so the biggest province in the country wants, uh, you know, wants tight border controls. I, I think that's going to be generally accepted uh, in other jurisdictions as well. So uh, this is where we're going, I think, inevitably. Maybe it hasn't been written down yet, but, I mean, the Prime Minister was talking about uh, easing quarantine rules, uh, you know, for the fully vaccinated. And uh, and that it's it you know there's still some way to go before all that happens and here we are what uh, 12 days or so from where the uh, you know the travel restrictions with the U.S. are set to expire so someone's got to make a decision pretty soon and I think we're getting there and I think it's going to be to the full vaccination and negative test uh, regime that that right. to me makes a lot of sense yeah. All right. Great stuff. Dan, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate it. Okay, Mark. That's Dan Legere, longtime political writer and broadcaster. Provinces have the rights to put forward um, bills that, uh, that align with their priorities. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Toronto Star, Susan Delacourt argues there's one line the Prime Minister won't cross when it comes to fighting Islamophobia. Delacorte writes, Justin Trudeau says he will call out anti-Muslim crime using the strongest words possible. He will not, however, call out Quebec for Bill 21, the law that has made Muslims feel unwelcome in that province. To recap, 
anti-Muslim sentiment is wrong. Anti-Muslim crime is terrorism. Legislation that denies religious expression to Muslims is something to be discussed, but not by this prime minister or other political leaders. In the National Post, Tasha Kerridan argues the push to cancel Canada Day misunderstands that our flawed nation is still worth celebrating. Kerridan writes, The discovery of the remains of 215 children at the Kamloops Residential School has shocked the Canadian conscience, but cancelling the day that recognizes Canada's creation would be a mistake. Cancellation does not beget reconciliation. It sows anger, not atonement. It drives underground the very feelings of division it seeks to destroy, instead of exposing them to the light of day, rooting them out and moving forward. In the National Observer, Max Fawcett argues the Catholic Church must be made to pay for its role in residential schools. Fawcett writes, The Church has had decades to atone for the central role it played in the creation and administration of residential schools, and for decades it declined to do much of anything on that front, but now in the wake of the discovery of unmarked graves of 215 Indigenous children in Kamloops, the Church may not be able to hide from its past any longer nor will it be able to hide that past from everyone else. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The Minister of the Environment and Sustainable Development will be before a Senate committee today as the Trudeau government tries to get a key piece of environmental legislation passed. But as CPAC's Martin Stringer reports... There are quite a few hurdles still to pass. Mark, the government's Bill C-12, which is otherwise known as the Net Zero Emissions Accountability Act, is before both the House of Commons Environment Committee and now the Senate's Environment Committee, which is doing what's called pre-study in the Senate. But with less than two weeks left in this spring sitting of Parliament, and with a very real possibility that an election could be called this fall, this key piece of environmental legislation for the Trudeau government may well die on the order paper. Originally, it was disparaged by some people, including prominent environmentalists, who said its targets and benchmarks were set too far in the future, that its commitments to greenhouse gas emissions only started 10 years out. But the bill is nonetheless a crucial step in the fight against climate change and to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. It's essential in that the bill for the first time in Canada sets a binding legislative framework for any commitments that the government makes to greenhouse gas emissions, and it sets benchmarks that governments must meet. But the Commons Environment Committee is proceeding very slowly, and the Senate Committee is now just starting debate on the bill. So it will be interesting to see Environment Minister Jonathan Wilkinson, his testimony and what he has to say to senators today at around noon. Thanks, Martin. Also today, the Prime Minister will take part in a virtual conversation during the summit opening of the Progressive Governance Digital Summit 2021. He will also attend the Liberal Caucus meeting and question period. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will speak to the media after the NDP caucus meeting. Bloc Québécois leader Yves-François Blanchette will hold a news conference in Ottawa. Indigenous Services Minister Mark Miller will hold a news conference to provide an update on COVID-19. Infrastructure Minister Catherine McKenna will attend a virtual event in Oakville, Ontario. Veterans Affairs Minister Lawrence McCauley will attend a virtual infrastructure event in Montague, Prince Edward Island. And the Minister of Innovation, François-Philippe Champagne and Natural Resources Minister Seamus O'Regan will take part in an announcement in Edmonton about efforts to advance a project to create net-zero emission hydrogen energy in Canada. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Wednesday, June the 9th. 
Tune into Primetime Politics every evening on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.